You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Giants fans and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host Ed Valentine. I'm coming to you today one day after the Giants lost to the Minnesota Vikings 28-10. Game that was a bit of a reality check for the Giants after two straight victories. One over Tampa Bay and one over Washington. This was a game against a Minnesota team featuring one of the, de- one of the best defenses in the league and a team that also runs the ball really well, uses a lot of play action, some things that that the Giants have struggled with, really a team offensively that wasn't a good matchup for a Giants team down several linebackers, including edge rusher Lorenzo Carter. Really, you know, as I've written at Big Blue View, kind of hard to, uh, to to look at this game and think that uh, that the Giants really should have won it. You know, it's kind of the the went the way that uh, that you kind of had to expect it to go. Without Saquon Barkley, then without Wayne Gallman, the Giants simply couldn't get a running game going. Really one dimensional on offense. Let the the Minnesota pass rushers really tee off. Giants offensive line struggled to uh, to contain that pass rush, especially tackles Nate Solder and, and Mike Remmers. Really something that, that I wanted to talk about a little bit, uh, you know, we wrote at Big Blue View that this was the most difficult game so far, the worst performance so far for Daniel Jones, and it really was. Jones missed a few throws. He took maybe took a sack in the red zone that he shouldn't have taken. And listen, this wasn't an awful game from Daniel Jones by any stretch of the imagination. There was the brilliant throw to Darius Slayton. There were some other good plays. There were a couple of nice scrambles that he made. But it was a game, you know, where he couldn't lift the Giants. He couldn't really, you know, he couldn't make them... He couldn't will them into contention against this team. He, as I said, he missed a couple of uh, a couple of throws to to Sterling Shepard that that would have made a difference. And listen, it's you know I'm not trying to criticize Daniel Jones. This is all part of the process. You're not going to be you know perfect every week. You're not going to be heroic every week. You're you're sometimes your teams are going to be overmatched, and and the Giants were overmatched on on Sunday. And Jones was under a lot of pressure, and and you know 
chalk it up as a learning experience and we move on. You know, our headline at Big Blue View, our story at Big Blue View certainly wasn't meant as a criticism of Jones. It was just meant as what we saw as reality. This will be a, a really quick turnaround week for the Giants as they do have to play the uh, the unbeaten juggernaut known as the New England Patriots on Thursday night. Not exactly a game to uh, to look forward to. Not exactly one where you would expect the Giants to to get healthy. Uh, they are a 16-point underdog in the opening line, and we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later on in the show. Um, you know, just a couple things about the uh, a couple things more about Sunday's game. We did the kudos and wet willies as we always do at Big Blue View. You know, the one guy on defense that I'm really, really impressed with is Dexter Lawrence. And you know, five tackles, a sack, a forced fumble yesterday. Would have had a second sack if not for a penalty. Wrote at Big Blue View that the play that impressed me most was early in the game when Lawrence chased down a screen pass and tackled Dalvin Cook of Minnesota, I believe, 22 yards down the field. I mean, you're talking about a 340 to 350-pound human being sprinting downfield and putting himself in position to make that play. That's just incredibly impressive to me. And I think that that slowly but surely, you know, Lawrence is developing into a player who will end up being worthy of that 17th overall pick. You know, also, you know, really nice play on on the touchdown pass from Jones to Darius Slayton yesterday. Kind of play that gives you hope, gives you optimism, that that it's a connection that you're going to see for a number of years. So, you know, when I look at that game, no real surprise for me, you know, that, that the Giants couldn't win it. Nothing really for me to be incredibly alarmed about either. You know, the Giants' defense hasn't been good enough most of the year with the exception of the game against Washington, which really, to be honest, was more about the ineptitude of the Redskins than about anything that the Giants did. Giants defense is a work in progress, still needs help in a lot of areas, missing basically an entire level of defense with all of the injuries that they've had at linebacker and at the edge position. So, it, you know, it is what it is. The Giants are going to struggle on, on defense all season long. And, uh, you know, they're going to be a work in progress. We'll have ups, we'll have downs. I think the, uh, the, the takeaway for me through five weeks is that the future is brighter than it was, but that the Giants are not there yet in terms of being a contending team. Folks, what I want to do now is take a brief break for a word from our sponsors, when I come back, you'll hear an interview that I did with Patricia Trena as she and I break down Sunday's game against the Vikings. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. 
so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm all set, Patty. Let's go. Okay. I'm joined now by Ed Valentine of Big Blue View and Edward... I don't know what happened yesterday. Do you know what happened yesterday? Because I'm trying to make sense of this, man. Well, Patty, what happened was probably what we all should have expected to happen. The the better team won the football game. That's putting it simply. But, uh, you know, let's let's try and make some sense out of it, Ed. Let's try to maybe break some of this stuff down and, and figure out exactly what the, what happened with the Giants. But first... Just want to mention um, just a, an overall take, a generic take that I had. The Giants, I think anyone who is expecting this team to be a playoff contender, like a deep playoff contender, I think that was a little bit too ambitious of a, of a goal there. I think no matter what they say, they are in a rebuild mode. You know, they have a lot of young players who are kind of taking root now, and we're kind of seeing some of those growing pains as we move forward. But, Ed, let's uh, let's start off with the offense. Um, you don't want to use injuries as an excuse, but the injury to Wayne Gallman was a big one. When you watched the game, how did you see the game kind of shift in terms of strategy once Gallman went out? Well, once Gallman went out, it became obvious that the Giants weren't going to have any sort of a running game. I mean, John Hilleman is an undrafted rookie free agent. And let's be honest about, about John Hilleman. Maybe he's got some athleticism. But this is a kid who couldn't start for Rutgers. He couldn't start for Boston College. You know, th- this is not a big-time NFL running back. Eli Penny is is a nice player. He's a valuable giant. I get a kick out of how he insists that he can play halfback. And, 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 you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to give him the ball once in a while, but he's not going to carry an NFL running back. You put Daniel Jones in the Giants' offensive line in a situation where the only way they were going to move the ball was to throw it. They knew it. Minnesota knew it, and that was a mismatch for a you know with with that Minnesota front and and with a quality Minnesota secondary. The Giants, you know, they missed a couple of opportunities for plays. Daniel Jones showed us that that he's not perfect. He missed a couple of of makeable throws yesterday, but they were never going to have any sustained success yesterday without a running game. It just wasn't going to happen. And let's back up a little bit, little bit there, Ed, because you touched upon it. And let's talk about the play off the offensive line. I thought yesterday's game was probably the worst that this line has put on tape this season. What did you see from that group? Well, obviously, Patty, it's really, really easy to to point a finger at Nate Solder and maybe to point a finger at uh, at Mike Remmers as well. I mean, a lot of the pressure came from the edges, from Danielle Hunter, and, and, and from Everson Griffin. But I just didn't see anyone on that offensive line really winning matchups yesterday. 
whatever Minnesota did, if they sent extra people, if they stunted, if they twisted, I mean, the Giants just were overmatched. As you said, this was the worst performance, I think, by that line. And, you know, I see on Twitter people are going crazy. Oh, we thought Dave Gettleman, you know, was a was a hog molly master and could build this great offensive line. And you know what, folks? He has built a better offensive line than the Giants have had in a while. But it's not a perfect one. Nate Solder, you know, is has never been a top five in the NFL left tackle. Mike Remmers is an adequate stopgap on the right side. We still have questions about whether John Halapio can be a long-term answer at center. It's still a work in progress. There's still upgrades that need to be made long-term. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens. But I just I just thought that this was a, a veteran, solid defensive line from Minnesota with three Pro Bowl talents on it that that just uh, overwhelmed the Giants. What about the receiving game, Ed? You know, obviously Golden Tate brought uh, back in the lineup after his four-game suspension. They didn't really go to him as much, which was kind of a surprise to me. Evan Ingram, it looked like they had an answer to him. I think they were jamming him off the line, and, and Sterling Shepard had, had a couple of opportunities. Uh, you mentioned the deep balls that Jones tried to get to him. Um, maybe Shepard makes that if he, if he turns it up to a second gear. I mean, what were your takeaways there? Well, I, I I saw people talk about, oh, there were all these drops and this and that. I didn't have a huge problem with, with the wide receivers. I thought, as you said, I thought the issue really was that Minnesota had answers for what the Giants could do with their wide receivers, whereas the Giants didn't have answers you know for for Adam Thielen and 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 for what Minnesota was trying to do to them uh, when when Minnesota had the ball I, I don't know it's it's a weird dynamic for me I don't necessarily have a problem with Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate playing together but I saw I, there was a number, and I don't have it in front of me, of, of how little time Sterling Shepard spent in the slot on Sunday. And, and it bothers me if they're not going to, to move you know, Tate and Shepard around and allow Sterling Shepard to at least have a, a decent number of snaps in the slot, which is, which is what he does best. So I think the Giants going forward... My takeaway is that I think Pat Shermer and Mike Shula need to need to sit down, need to really figure out what those two guys do well, and find a better way to to mix and match both of those guys and take advantage of their skill sets. And Ed, I ha- I just called up the numbers uh, that you were looking at. Sterling Shepard was in the slot on 19 of his 56 snaps played, according to Pro Football Focus. He was in line for one and then split out wide 36 times. So they, I'm guessing, and I, I can pull up uh, Golden Tate's snaps real quick too, but I'm guessing Tate was mostly in the slot and just, I, I don't know, just, they, you thought they would have figured out how to move, you know, how to play both of those guys at the same time. And I know over on on uh, our Giants page on SI.com, um, we thought that we had a plan for that, and and it just seemed like they were intent on just playing each guy in in a set spot and leave it at that. And and it was you know quite disheartening, I think. Well, that bothers me, Patty, because that's not 
what we saw in preseason, in training camp. That's not what we saw. That's not what they talked about. And and that's not taking advantage of of what you could possibly create with those two, those two guys in moving them around and using some motion in using some bunch formations you know to to try to put those guys in more advantageous matchups if you're just going to stick Sterling Shepard out wide one on one and not move him at all he's not going to win that matchup consistently you know yes there were a couple of occasions where Jones missed him on Sunday and yes there was the one ball in the end zone that coulda, woulda, shoulda, maybe been pass interference and maybe he could have caught it. But I'm also not calling that play a drop because that's a spectacular catch if he makes it. And, uh, you know, so I'm not going to criticize Shepard. I just think the Giants need to find a better way to, to utilize those two guys. Agree with you 100% at it. And, uh, I think I told, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but uh, Tate was used in the slot 38 times out of 46, that which is just out, you know, it's outrageous. But anyway, Ed, one last thing about the offense moving forward, and, and we're on a short work week, so I don't know how much work you've done on the Patriots, but if you're fixing this offense for the game Thursday night, what's the number one thing you address if you're the coaches? Well, you know, it, it certainly can't be forcing Saquon Barkley to play if he's not ready to play. I mean, for me, I think that the Giants, they have to find a way to to make sure that they give Mike Remmers and Nate Solder some help on the outside. And for me, the other thing is what we already talked about with, with the wide receivers is you you're not using guys to their best advantage if you don't move them around if you don't try to create some matchups if you're just going to play Golden Tate in the slot all the time and Sterling Shepard outside and and let defenses just sit there and know where those guys are and it's hard to do on a short week Patty but I I think for me that's that's a big thing for me is they've got to figure out a better way to maximize those two guys, and I think as much as Pat Shermer seems to hate to do it, and I haven't really watched, rewatched Sunday's game yet. I'm not sure exactly how often he did try to help those edge guys, but it seems to me that you just have to realize that you're going to have to max protect some and and uh, and and give those guys some help. Good stuff, Ed. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the defense. Actually, we're going to talk a lot about the defense because there's a lot to be said. So, folks, stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans. Locked on Giants here with Patricia Trena. And joining me is Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. We are trying to make sense of what happened on Sunday? The Giants losing to the Minnesota Vikings 28-10. And, Ed, let's get to the defense. And there's certainly a lot to talk about there. And, you know, people will point to the fact that they were decimated by injuries at the linebacker unit. I I think that was part of it. But 
I just saw a lot of sloppy tackling. I saw a lot of missed tackles. I saw guys not getting off blocks. I mean, what did you see as being probably like the top one or two issues on the defense? Well, I, I think you're absolutely right, Patty. That's all fundamental stuff. I don't care. You know, yes, you've got a backup core of linebackers in there, but you know, NFL players should have all seen crossing routes before and they should have all they should all know how to communicate you know to to their fellow defenders, you know, as to what's going on. Um tackling, how many times did we see this is what we saw too much of last year where plays that should have gone for 10 yards I'm thinking, you know, in particular, one play to Adam Thielen that should have should have gone for a 10-yard completion that went, I think, for 44 yards. I mean, the Giants are undermanned in some ways, but but you have to tackle, you you have to communicate, and those are the things. Those are the things that that really bother me. There are talent deficiencies at linebacker right now. The Giants just have to deal with that. But fundamental things like tackling, like being in the right position, like not standing over a guy and taunting after you've made one nice play in a game that you're losing and that player is actually destroying you, you know, th- those kinds of things are, are, are just silly and, and need to be corrected. And just looking at the stats here on Pro Football Focus, they just posted their grades and whatnot. They have the Giants down for 16 missed tackles. You just can't have that and expect to play winning football. No, you can't, Patty. And what it speaks to is is fundamentals. And, and we talk about, we hear the Giants talk about having their eyes in the right place and, and, and doing those kinds of, those kinds of things. And at, at the heart of it, you know, football is about blocking, getting in front of a guy, you know, and giving your back or your wide receiver or your quarterback a chance. And it's about tackling the guy that has the football. And if you can't do those two things, then you're just not going to be successful. And the Giants didn't do either one of those yesterday. No, they didn't. And another thing that was kind of a head scratcher, Ed, was their approach to playing Adam Thielen. Now, this is something we're writing about, or we wrote about, I should say, in Inside Football. The Giants had Grant Haley, their slot cornerback, go up against Adam Thielen, a pro bowler. And one of the things we kicked around as an idea is why not move your best cornerback, in this case, Janoris Jenkins, to face that guy? Because otherwise, now you're talking about a gross mismatch in the favor of the Vikings. And it's not like, you know, Jenkins hasn't played in the slot before. He has. But we just thought it was weird that, you know, not only did that they put Haley one-on-one against Thielen, but he didn't really have a whole lot of help over the top. Well, Patty, I think the lack of help is my issue more than more than leaving Haley in the slot. I mean, let's 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 back up a week. What did the Giants do a week ago against the Redskins that they were widely credited for as helping that secondary? They left Janoris Jenkins on one side and DeAndre Baker on the other side, which, as we learned during the week, was really designed to simplify things for DeAndre Baker a little bit. And, of course, that means that your slot guy is going to stay in the slot. I don't think that a week after we gave them credit for making that change, you know, for 
or credited that change with helping them, I don't think we can turn around and criticize them all of a sudden for not having Jackrabbit follow a wide receiver. I and and I also don't think we can criticize them for I mean there were a few times where they played some soft zone and gave up some easy completions and that drives me crazy and and at Big Blue View we've we've been criticizing them for that. And yesterday what happened a lot of times was they got up, they pressed, they had, you know, Grant Haley and and their other corners up on the line of scrimmage and Grant Haley simply couldn't match up with Adam Thielen. I think where I will criticize is you've got to roll a safety or a linebacker over to help the kid. You can't just let Thielen run wild one-on-one. You know, so for me, that was the issue. It wasn't necessarily, you know, who was lined up against who, but bracket this guy with a linebacker or bracket this guy with, with a safety. Do something to help. I mean, the Giants are playing the Patriots this week, and one of the things that we always talk about with the Patriots is Bill Belichick always decides, okay, player X is not going to beat us. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure that whoever we think is the best player on the opposing team doesn't beat us. The Giants didn't do anything really to take Adam Thielen away yesterday. They just left a one-on-one matchup where they continued to get beat and didn't do anything about it. You know, just backing up on something you said, Ed, another thing the Giants did last week against Washington that they didn't do as much, and again, this could be a, a result of the, the injuries at linebacker, they played more five, six, and seven defensive back sets. Which they were able to you know, provide help, bracket help and whatnot. Because the Vikings were such a run-heavy team, I think they went away from that strategy and they just kind of, you know, stuck with with. with paying attention to up front, you know, trying to stop Dalvin Cook. And that didn't work very well for the reasons that we mentioned before, the missed tackles, not getting off blocks and whatnot. But um, you look look ahead again to, to the Patriots. You know, Belichick is like a chameleon. He changes his offense and his defense every week to the opponent. And he does it so masterfully that, that it's almost hard to get a beat on what, what to anticipate. But based on what we know, about the Patriots, what we know about the Giants. Where do you think the Giants on defense really need to focus in on to to have a fighting chance here? Oh, Patty, I'm not even sure I know how to answer that question. But for the Giants, they, they need to figure out what they are. They need to do the fundamental things better. They need to tackle. They need to make plays when the opportunities are there. Um you know, so so for me, I, I don't know that there's one thing that I can say, well, you need to stop this player, you need to stop Julian Edelman, or you need to stop the running game. You know, the, the Patriots, who knows what their game plan's going to be Thursday night. But for me, I think you just you need to see the Giants tackle the football better. I I would like to see them a little bit more willing to to make some adjustments when their when their initial plan doesn't doesn't seem to be working. I mean, I don't know about you, but but I kept watching the game 
on Sunday wondering, when are they going to make an adjustment? When are they going to try something else? Or when are they going to try someone else like Julian Love in the slot or even Corey Ballantyne in the slot? You know, give one of those guys who I'm not sure has, you know, I'm not sure Julian Love has played a defensive snap yet. And and I kind of get it. But when you're watching Grant Haley struggle for the second week in a row, you if you're not going to try a different defense, how about you try a different defensive player? Yeah, makes sense there. Ed, final question. Let's tackle the Saquon Barkley issue. If he practices this week and the Giants only have one practice, I believe on Tuesday, then they have a walkthrough on Wednesday before they head out to New England. Do you play Barkley this week against the Patriots or do you hold them for the following week when you have that 10-day break, gives them a little bit more time to, to rest up that ankle, get it healthy? And do you play him against maybe the uh, the um, Cardinals? Patty, I don't play him on Thursday. And, and let's be realistic. Pat Shermer and the Giants aren't going to say it because, you know, Football players and football coaches and football teams are all about the only thing that's important is this next game, you know, coming up. And, you know, they're going to say, well, we're going to get in. We're going to make the corrections where Evan Ingram was talking about. We have no doubt that we can go up and, and beat the Patriots. Well, Evan, Evan, you know, my friend, I'm sorry. I don't care if Saquon Barkley plays or not. You're not going up to New England and beating the Patriots on Thursday. He, When I look at it, Saquon Barkley's not going to make a difference in whether the Giants win that game or lose that game. And the only thing that can happen if Saquon Barkley plays on Thursday night, in my view, the only thing that can happen is something bad. That he can re-injure that or aggravate it or you know, be out longer. Or We saw it. With Olivier Vernon a couple of years ago, Patty, he played, came back too soon on a high ankle sprain, and last year was still impacted by that by that high ankle sprain. I think he missed four or five games with it a year ago. I think we saw Odell Beckham try to come back too quickly from a high ankle sprain. Saquon Barkley is the Giants franchise running back. He's their best offensive player. He's the best running back in the league. You can't take any chances with this guy. As, and as I said, you're not going up to New England and winning a football game anyway. So let him sit for another week and a half, whether he wants to play or not, and, and let him play against Arizona. Ed, it's amazing how you and I still see eye to eye on a lot of these things. I mean, even though we no longer co-host the podcast together, we still see we still see things the same way. Well, you know, Patty, you know, what do they say? Great minds think alike? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they say. So anyway, Ed, I want to thank you for coming on. Giant fans want to thank you for tuning in. Just a reminder, we're going to move Twitter Tuesday to Twitter Thursday. So you know the drill. You have a couple of extra days to get your questions in. I'm going to tape the show Wednesday night, run it on Thursday. It'll be devoted to your questions. So do send them in. Ask P Train on Twitter, or you can do the email. You can send them to Lockdown Giants Podcast at gmail.com. For Ed Valentine's, I'm Patricia Trainer. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. All right. Hey, let me go grab You're a drink. Up. Let me go grab a drink of water real quick, and then I'll come right back and we'll do Okey-doke. mine. All right. Okay, doke.
All right, you ready? I am. All right, so I'm going to do this as a segment, so I'll bring you in, and we'll do like 15 minutes, whatever. All right? Okay. <clears throat> All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and now I'm going to chat with Patricia Trena of Locked On Giants and of the Maven about uh, Sunday's game. Patty, how you doing? Doing good, Dad. Yourself? I'm hanging in there, Patty, hanging in there, trying to trying to process everything that happened on Sunday on, on, on one hand and, and get ready for the Patriots on Thursday night on the other hand. These these short weeks are, are crazy ones. They are brutal, and I'm in the same boat as is everybody else in the, our media room, and you just do the best you can, I guess. Patty, we talk. Let's talk a little bit about Sunday, Minnesota, twenty-eight to ten loss for the Giants. And, and as I wrote at Big Blue View, let let's be realistic for a minute. I I think that what we saw Sunday is probably what we should have anticipated seeing all along. We should have, you know, the Giants are a developing team that isn't quite there yet. So really. The, the result of Sunday's game, I mean, there's certain things I didn't like, but the result of Sunday's game, the outcome, really shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. No, really, it it shouldn't. I mean, what you did want to see is you wanted to see a competitive game. And unfortunately, on the defensive side of the ball, and you can point to injuries, you can point to strategy, you can point to scheme, you can point to whatever you want. Not so much competitive on the defensive side of the ball. And on the offensive side of the ball, the injury to Wayne Gallman early in the game basically took the what the running aspect out of the whole thing. And, and the coaches never really adjusted. I'm not sure how they could have adjusted, quite frankly, at that point. But it, it was just, you know, from that point on, you, you just knew that the Giants had an uphill battle they were going to fight. Sure they did, and, and you know, Patty, we can talk about the offensive line. We know that the the offensive line struggled, and I mean, we can, you know, we'll talk about, uh, you know, probably about how the Giants used their wide receivers a little bit, but let's, let's talk a little bit about Daniel Jones, all right? This was his first loss as an NFL starting quarterback, and, and you know, the hysteria around Daniel Jones, we actually pointed out at, at, at Big Blue View that, that you know, he didn't play badly, but all in all, prob- you know, and, and there are reasons for it, but all in all, his worst game out of the three, and y- y- you would have you would have y- thought, you know, that, that uh, well, I, I don't even know what the right analogy is, but... Uh, but it didn't go over well with a lot of people that we actually pointed out that Daniel Jones isn't perfect. So um, just your thoughts on, on what we saw from, from Jones on Sunday. Well, he's a rookie. I mean, you know, I'm not sure what people are expecting. Are they expecting him to come in and play like a 16-year veteran, except, you know, obviously have more mobility. Um, he's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. You know, there was a, a play um, where I think he held on to the ball. You know, he tried to roll it out and, and didn't see the, the blitz coming or he didn't, you know, audible, call an audible and throw to his uh, hot read. Um, I, I want to say that was in the – was that in the third quarter? I don't remember exactly where it was, but I remember making a note of that. So 
as he sees more and more things, he's going to learn. He's going to be able to recognize things and he's going to be able to make adjustments as, you know, needed. So, you know, I don't think Jones had a bad game either. You know, obviously he'll sit there and he'll say, look, I didn't do enough to win, but nobody did on that team. But there's still plenty to like about this kid. And if you go back and you look at all the all the times he extended plays with his legs and got them out of trouble, you know, avoided sacks and stuff. I mean, that right there has made him worth the price of admission. Yes, it has. And, and you know, just as an aside, nothing that we wrote at Big Blue View was to indicate that we had any doubts about the young man's future. It's as you and I both have experienced sometimes, Patty, you you have to write what you see. You have to write what you believe. And you're never going to make everybody happy that much. I think we both know. No, you can't. And, you know, look, the Giants right now have far bigger problems than a quarterback. I think we can all agree on that. And, and you know, you, you look at the defense, you look at the injuries on how they just weren't able to, to you know, stand toe-to-toe with the Vikings. The Vikings offense basically did whatever it wanted to against that Giants defense. And that, to me, was the bigger, or the biggest, I should say, the biggest concern coming out of yesterday's game. Well, I have to agree with that, Patty, and I so let's talk about that defense a little bit. And now we we know that the Giants are undermanned at linebacker. Ryan Connolly, who let's let's be honest, Ryan Connolly is their best linebacker. All right, I think I think a couple of games was enough to show that. He's their best linebacker. He's out for the season. Tay Davis is hurt. Alec Ogletree is hurt. Lorenzo Carter didn't play on Sunday. They had the JV group playing linebacker. You know, they, they had, and I'm sorry, apologies to, to Nate Stupar, Nate Stupar and, and Nate Stupar's mom, but Nate Stupar is not an NFL linebacker. Sorry about that, Nate, but, but it's true. You're just not. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, but for me, the, we know they're undermanned in some areas, but for me, Patty, the thing that bothers me is, is the stubbornness i think or the lack of adjustment sometimes what they're trying to do or or not trying to do on defense is what really bothers me or mystifies me i don't know what what are your thoughts on on what we saw yesterday i'm going to be honest and you know i i'm reluctant to to criticize coaches i really am but i have not been impressed with what i have seen from james betcher it's almost like you know, this is what we want to do. And, and you know, players, you got to conform and, and do what we do, you know, what we want to run rather than necessarily, you know, adapting to what you have and what you don't have. And, you know, Betcher will stand there and say, look, you know, it's our job to put these guys in the best position. So you mean to tell me putting Grant Haley one-on-one against Adam Thielen, a pro bowler, is putting him in the best position and not giving the kid any help? Really? I'm not buying that. Are you? I'm not. Patty, I teed that one up for you. <laughs> I was hoping you would jump it. <laughs> I teed that one up and, and and you and you uh and you hit that one a mile. So uh so yeah, so we we think the same way on that. I I couldn't believe I had no problem with the Giants yesterday being aggressive with their corners. We saw 
on a on a few occasions, you know, you get up and you press and you play man. I mean, that's what DeAndre Baker does best. That's what Janoris Jenkins does best. You, if you're going to do that, you've got to put your slot corner up there and do the same. But you've got an undrafted rookie free agent who would have easily given up two long touchdown passes the week before if Case Keenum could have could have completed you know passes to wide open wide receivers. He's obviously struggling. He's playing you know maybe at this point in time maybe arguably the best slot receiver in football and you give him no help you you don't bracket feeling with you know with a with a safety or chase him underneath with a linebacker you try to try to disrupt him a little bit I, I don't get it and I don't get you know I, I also understand that Julian Love has a ways to go and, and has a lot to learn and, and and I've been asked why he doesn't play and I kind of understand why the Giants want, you know, Antoine Bethay in the lineup. But I don't understand when you watch a guy struggle for two straight weeks, why you don't get some snaps, why you don't try someone else. I just don't get it. I don't get it either. I wish I had an answer for you. And, and you know, Grant Haley, to his credit, he's, he's a very confident young man. And, you know, the veterans, I, I've, I've spoken to him about this before. The veterans have told him, look, if you have a bad play or a bad game, you just forget about it. You learn from it and you move on. But once you start stacking bad game after bad game after bad game on top of everything, you got to worry a little bit about somebody's confidence. Eventually, that, that your confidence erodes. And that's what my concern is. With Grant Haley, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he was put in a bad position against the Vikings, and I would like to maybe see the coaches address that down the line because I think, um, you know, he's got some tough customers coming up, if I'm not mistaken, over the next several weeks. Patty, let's let's talk about one defensive topic that I think we, we kind of have to talk about, and it's the one really positive thing for me you coming out of out of Sunday's game can we please put to rest this idea that drafting Dexter Lawrence at number 17 was a mistake I watched that guy yesterday the guy is a monster the guy is the best defensive lineman the Giants have and, and by the way when have you ever seen a 340 to 350 pound human being chase down a running back 22 yards down the field you, you don't see that very often, and you're absolutely right. Dexter Lawrence, part of the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. Now, it's too early to say, you know, for sure that the Giants won that trade, but I like the game Jabril Peppers has been playing the last couple of, uh, of games. I like what Dexter Lawrence has been doing. I think O'Shane Zimenez is showing some progress. You know, he, he still may be needs the rest of the year to fully develop, especially against the run. But I, I overall, I would say that the trade right now is working out okay for the Giants. And I'm saying that knowing that they don't have a true number one receiver, at least as of right now that, you know, Tate hasn't stepped up and, you know, that was because of the game plan and whatnot. But right now I like the haul the Giants got for Odell Beckham in that trade. And just talking about young players and wide receivers, you, you just have to be more and more impressed with with Darius Slayton every time every time you see the kid. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I was down on him. For, I remember being down on him early on when he was having all those drops. I thought, oh, my gosh, what have they done? But you know what, Ed? Darius Slayton right now is probably the only receiver they have who can slice the top off of a defense. This is a kid who has, can separate, and you know he just has that connection with Daniel Jones. You can see it, and it's actually quite beautiful to watch, and I was a little disappointed that they didn't go to him more often than they did yesterday. Patty, you know, the one thing, and I don't know how closely you have had a chance to watch the touchdown pass yesterday from from Jones to Slayton, but if you look at that play, Darius Slayton has insisted and his coaches have insisted that he's a more accomplished, better route runner than he was given credit for coming out of Auburn, and there's a very subtle move that Slayton makes on on Xavier Rhodes he basically jumps from inside to outside on Xavier Rhodes forces Xavier Rhodes to to flip his hips and basically turn from inside to out and then he just runs away from him it was beautiful to watch you know not what Slayton did to to a really really good cornerback yeah I happen to see that and and you know you mentioned his route running a lot of times with young receivers that are just coming out of college, a lot of them tend to round out their routes. They're not sharp. They're not crisp. You don't see that as much with Slayton. He seems to run these routes like a like he's been in the NFL for years. All right, Patty. Last thing for you. We're obviously we've got a we've got uh, the Patriots coming up Thursday night. The uh, the spread came out this morning, and it's a gargantuan sixteen points. If if you were uh, plunking down part of your hard earned Maven paycheck, would you uh, would you take uh, the over or the under on that sixteen point spread? Oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> ah. I'm not really much of a gambler. I mean, uh, look, I, I believe in the any given Sunday mantra. I mean, I, I'm not sitting here and I'm not going to say that I think the Giants are going to win because right now if you were to say who would you pick in this game, I would have to go with the Patriots. I think the whole world will have to go with the Patriots. But um, I don't know, 16 and a half points. I mean, put it this way, Ed, I, I thought the Vikings, you know, they they won by 18 points which was a pretty big margin. And I think the Patriots are better than the, the Vikings, you know, they're, they're in the next tier, if you will. So I think if I had to make a decision, would I go with the Patriots and take that spread? I, I probably would. I think that might just be a, a, a decent bet. I won't call it a smart bet because there is no such thing as a smart bet, but I think I would take it. All right, Patty, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. And uh, hopefully hopefully the next time we do one of these one of these uh these post game shows, hopefully there's there's something a little better to talk about. Amen. Right, thanks, Patty. As always, my thanks to Patty for uh, for joining me. That's sort of becoming a regular Monday thing for us where uh where she does a a spot on here on Big Blue View Radio. And I do a a visit uh, for her over on uh, Locked On Giants, uh, her show on the Locked On Network, where, uh, if you remember, I was uh, once upon a time a a co-host with Patty. But, uh, you know, that that seems like ancient history at this point. But this is sort of becoming our our Monday thing. 
And we appreciate Patty taking the time to do this and, and, and having me as a guest on her show as, as well as coming over here uh, and, and uh, talking to me on, on mine. Um, wanted to talk briefly about Thursday's game. The big question with the Wayne Gallman concussion is going to be whether or not Saquon Barkley will return on Thursday night. Listen, I do not know. I'm not a doctor. I don't get to look at Barkley's ankle. I don't have all of the medical information. What I know is this. The Giants are almost certainly not winning on Thursday night, whether Barkley plays or not. If he does play, he will not be 100%. What I do know is that it makes no sense to me for Saquon Barkley to go out there in a game the Giants are are not going to win when he is not completely healthy. It would make more sense for the Giants to wait another week and a half, let him play week seven against the Arizona Cardinals, and go from there. I mean, that's the safe route. That's the sensible route to me. We'll see what they do. We'll see what happens. But that's that's what I would do. Um, you know, but we'll see what, what Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman, and, and the Giants decide to do. Listen, I'm also, when I look forward, when I look ahead to, to this game against the Patriots, I'm not going to freak out no matter how it goes. You're talking about a team with, that's given up, you know, six and a half points a game so far this season. A ridiculous, ridiculous total team that's averaging over 30 points a game. You know, a team that is unbeaten, best team in the league. I'm, I'm fully expecting the Giants to lose this game fully expecting that that it could very well not be close, not be competitive. And I'm not going to freak out about it no matter what happens. You look at it, the Giants will take uh, will play this game Thursday, then they'll take a week and a half, get ready for the Arizona Cardinals, get ready for a stretch of games where there are a few winnable ones in there for the Giants, Arizona, Miami, the Jets. So you know, we'll see what happens in that stretch. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens on Thursday. We'll hope for better than we're expecting. But I'm not going to freak out no matter what happens on Thursday because this is simply a game where it looks like the Giants are just not going to be competitive. And, you know, we just, uh, we just take this one and we move forward and we'll see what happens after that. All right, Giants fans, thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye now. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.